For those <laughs> watching at home right now, watching live, take two. This happens. I don't think anybody's actually watching yet. Good. Okay, here we go again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this week on Erotic Awakening, the Slave Lion keynote, being a meta-meta, and long bike rides. <laughs> We'd like to thank our latest Patreon supporter, Carmen. We enjoy creating and recording these podcasts, and we hope that you enjoy listening to them. When you become our patron, it gives us the chance to apply more energy towards creating. For as little as a dollar a month, you not only can support the podcast, but you get access to special content as well. Awesome. Head over to patreon.com slash erotic awakening to take a look at the options. And regardless, thank you for listening or watching and enjoy the show. Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Well, right now, <laughs> fuck. You seem very like a little chill and relaxed and bam, right now. Hi, Don. I don't know about chill and relaxed. I'm chill and tired. Yes. <laughs> Hi, Don. Hi, Dan. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about a variety of things, including we're going to bring you the keynote from Power Exchange Summit. Last eight, May. Last May. Mm -hmm. And uh, Slave Lion um, did the keynote for us. It did a fantastic job. Got the big standing ovation she at the did. end. She did. And uh, we're going to be bringing that to you uh, later on in the show. Uh, before we get there, we are going to talk, Don, uh, while we were in the Holland, Michigan, and that will, will explain why we're in Holland, Michigan, mm -hmm. and why we're wearing the do-rags at this particular moment. Um, <laughs> helmet head is the answer, but we'll get there in a moment. But first, while we're in Holland, Mer Michigan, uh, we were asked by someone to who is becoming part of an existing poly relationship and how right. they can be a good meta mm -hmm. to the other people in that relationship. So, and it was a really good question. And the reason he asked was because we were there teaching about poly tools. Absolutely. Right. So we taught the class was actually called eight poly tools, but we brought our eight poly tools, part one and part two. So they kind of got a combination of, they did of about 16 <laughs> poly tools because we can't stop at eight. <laughs> uh, yes. We just keep talking and talking. So his question was, he mm -hmm. was in this particular case, and we'll make it a little more generic than his particular case, but we'll talk okay. about that particular case. He was a uh, masochist in a relationship that had a sadist in a relationship that had a uh, non-SM person. A non-SM person. I just put a vanilla, right? Okay. So there's a little graph. Ooh, well, you can't see that on the YouTube anyway. Right. So but the sadist and the vanilla were already, already had in a relationship. relationship. So the masochist comes in and he says, look, here's my concern. Mm -hmm. I can fulfill a need for the sadist that the vanilla person can't fulfill. Right. And I don't want to step on their toes. I don't want to cause right. problems in their relationship. So yeah. how do I be a good partner to the vanilla person, even though we, I am not directly their partner, but how do I be a good steward of the relationship? Mm -hmm. And that can actually be um, a little difficult to answer because some people will say, oh, reach out and try to make friends and, you know, maybe try to be uh, a part of kind of like you, me, and Karen, I guess, and that mm -hmm. we're a triangle or a V. Right. <laughs> we're more of a V, right? right? So, and, but we hang out together and stuff sometimes. But I also had to let this guy know that sometimes the meta doesn't want to do things with the other meta. Mm -hmm. 
right? So he can reach out if he wants to. He can reach out to this this um, we're going to call V for Vanilla that 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 person in the dynamic, and see if V wants to do anything so that V feels more comfortable with him around and learns that they don't have to be jealous or envious or worried, you know, about anything. He can do that. But if the other person doesn't respond, that's okay as well. Yeah. And that's, you know, one of the things that I suggest suggested at that point, and I continue to suggest is that you reach out, open the lines of communication mm -hmm. without any expectation that they'll respond to it. Right. As you mentioned in, when we were teaching that class, Karen reached out to you and said, let's go do pedicures. That's not your thing, right? right. So you responded I, by I, saying, no, thanks. I'm it an introvert that doesn't always like to do things with people. Right. It's not that you were rejecting her or not wanting to interact with her. It was that that particular activity is not interesting to you. And it may well be that this meta, this other person doesn't really have any desire or need to interact with you. Mm -hmm. So your responsibility, in my view, is just to open that lines of communication. It's okay to say, hey, do you want to go out and get a beer? Do you want to go have coffee sometimes? Do you want to hang out? Or not do that, right? Just open it, but say, here's my, I would at a minimum say, here's my email address. Here's my phone number right. if you, in case you need to get a hold of me for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. By building that opportunity for conversations, if something comes up down the road, you'll have the opportunity. You've already started opening the door to that communication. Right. But don't take it personally if they don't grab you up and hug you and say, oh my God, you're the third we always wanted, you know, or something like that. I'd love to go do this with you and love to go do that with you um, because it doesn't always happen. So don't take it personally. It's not always about you. It could just be that some people are introverts like me. I don't do a lot of things with people. Or don't take it personally if the response is like, leave me the fuck alone. Yeah. I'm not really comfortable with you being part of my life. So so don't talk to me. I would just assume you yeah. don't. My primary, you know, and the example that I use is the relationship that I have with, with Kat and her husband, Nate, is that it is not my responsibility to check in with Nate and say, how you doing, buddy? Is everything mm -hmm. okay? Is it okay that I'm dating your wife? Is, you know, are you feeling jealous? Are you feeling envious? Mm -hmm. I have an open communication with him and we talk comic book geek stuff, mm -hmm. but primarily... Every once in a while, I will check in with Kat to say, hey, is Nate still cool with me? I'm, I do the same thing with Big D and his wife. I'll ask Big D, wife still okay with everything? And he right. says yes. And yeah. Because I don't feel it's necessarily my responsibility to manage the relationship that Nate is having with Kat in regards to me. That is Kat's oh, responsibility, yeah. right? So, and if now if Kat says, you know what, Nathan feels a little bit weird about the whatever thing I, I'll respond by saying, well, should, you know, should I reach out to him? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I got no problem doing that part, doing my part to be, because I am, I acknowledge. And here's something that, you know, lately I've been listening to people saying how they don't perceive that their polyamory has anything is, has, has any kind of a group dynamic. Right. Hmm. Um, but I do perceive that my relationship with cat is an impact to Nate. And it's also because Nate who for all intents purposes is the father of the two children raising right. with cat. They live, have a house together. They have a long-term life together. Mm -hmm. If Nate at one point says, you know what, cat, I don't want you dating Dan anymore. He's, he's bad for 
our entire family. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty significant sort of thing. True. Um, True. So there is a relationship there. I don't have to manage it, but for me, the, the way I handle it is I reach out and I say, oh, hey, you ever want to talk? Here I am. And I and I go out of my way to say, hey, cat, things still cool? Mm-hmm. I totally get that. Totally agree. So, and the other thing that popped into my head that I do that I wish I'd mentioned during the class because it didn't pop into my head then was that um, I also treat Big D's wife with some respect, Mm -hmm. just respect in the relationship that they already have and, you know, things like that. So they do have a long-term relationship with the kids and the house and the dogs and the grandkids and, you know, that type of stuff. So I give some respect in, in that relationship that they've already developed. So, and I try not to tread on toes. So far, it's worked out for five years, right? Right, And me and his wife actually like each other and can go do things. Not that we do a lot. I, I just don't. <laughs> we do some things. Hey. Nudge, say no more, say no more. my story. <laughs> so tell us what you think. How are you a good meta if you are? Do you agree with the way we're doing it or do you think we're full of shits? Head on over to the Facebook page, Erotic Awakening Podcast. All one word. And share your thoughts. We will be reposting this question of the day any moment now. Speaking of any moment now, I see that we accidentally left on the part of this YouTube thing where people could chat with us. Hopefully nobody's watching live Uh-oh. right now. I hope we'll not. Because we, we can't reach the keyboard no. to type <laughs> back. <laughs> and my eyes are still, I don't know that I can focus on anything on that. So, because we did take the bikes yes. to Holland. So um, we met a good group of people up there for the class while we were there over the weekend. Yeah. I had a wonderful time at second story there. And as you mentioned, and here's the whole do-rag things, we just spent, and I just took a look, we were just over the past uh, three days, chopped up here and there, most of it, and half of it today, we just spent 700 miles on the motorcycles. 700 miles. So we left Columbus Friday night, mm-hmm. stopped in Ann Arbor, right. and then Saturday morning, we had to wait for the rain front to pass. So that happened at about noon. So we're stuck in the hotel till about noon and then finished our trip to Holland. Mm-hmm. So, and then pretty much checked in the hotel, ate dinner, went to the class. So at a fan, as you mentioned, had a fantastic time with people had a out there. fantastic time and then left this morning. And after we waited for the, the hog, after we waited for the, for fog, the fog to pass, pass a little bit. Well, we actually didn't wait for it to completely pass, no. but it wasn't that bad. It was weird. It was damp. It was mm-hmm. like riding through rain without it raining. Yeah. It was really kind of cool. So, and, but uh, nine hours head. on the bike. Yes. Bike yes. or hair. <laughs> you had, you know, we had talked recently that we have stayed in probably a hundred hotel mm-hmm. rooms and um, we've, we travel to 15 to 17 conferences and events and classes per ye- a year at least. And this is the first time we've did this long distance thing via the motorcycle, right? That was 10 and a half hours today. Was it? Yeah. That's what I just figured out. Would you do the motorcycle trip again like that? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah. So my thumbs sore. I could use a back massage between my shoulder blades. Mm-hmm. But um, otherwise, I really enjoyed the hell out of it. I concur. I, I think it was a fantastic time. Um, and it's a nice way to interact with nature, with mm-hmm. the world, and yep. see things on a different way. Because what we do 
is we tell the little GPS to avoid the highways on the way back. So we get to go all back road yes. and all that kind of shit. So, and we get to see things because usually when we take the car, one of us is driving, one of us is either sleeping or working. Mm -hmm. Right. So we don't always get to see the countryside. You pointed out a hawk to me. Right. So we saw, um, I thought, I think I saw a bald eagle. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to research it to see what young bald eagles look like. Cause I think that's what I saw. Oh, um, we saw the, see that. Huh? I know. I we just got mics on the bikes, mics on the bikes. So I was able to tap the mic and say, "Hey, I think I saw," but we'd already passed it mm -hmm. at that point. We saw a guy with an Elmo motorcycle helmet, <laughs> fuzzy Elmo helmet. That was awesome. Um, all these little towns and yes, Michigan and, and Ohio. And of course, and my favorite part is we get to stop at these little off the off the grid diners. Oh yeah, the little family diners. Um, the little and ice cream place. Little ice cream place as well, right? Yeah. Uh, really, that's that's my favorite part of the experience, being the foodie that I am. Uh-huh. So I <clears throat> want to move on from that. So we had a great time looking forward to uh, other opportunities to head out to the Second Story Club in Han, Michigan. You know, people did not know that was bondage tape holding that bag onto the back of your bike, though. That's, that's our little secret. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, Don, if, tape. <laughs> if you remember correctly, the um, year uh, not too long ago when we had the whole poly or the uh, erotic awakening podcast network, mm -hmm. one of the podcasts on that was the multi amory podcast. Amory, I remember that. Um, the multi amory podcast at this point has been running for about four years now, and they've done a couple national tours. Um, it's a it's a podcast where we do questions of the day, we do aspects about polyamory. Multi-amory focuses just on that polyamory, right. on that consensual non-monogamy mm -hmm. uh, and everything from ethical polyamory, radical relationship anarchy, all kinds of interesting practical tools and relationship advice around those kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. The reason I'm mentioning this is currently <laughs> they are doing a uh, – for every iTunes review they receive before the end of September – they're donating $5 to the Ally Forney Center to protect oh, LGBTQ nice. youths from harm, of from the harms of homelessness, and empower them with the tools to live independently. That's awesome. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's a really great podcast to listen to if you've got the polyamory questions and stuff. So I'm glad they were on the network for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing I want to mention real quickly is there, there's about to throw up a new podcast. <laughs> I saw this. And I'm not <laughs> So, as you know, I was not raised as a religious human being. Mm -hmm. Most of my understanding of Christianity initially came from the musicals Jesus Christ, Jesus Superstar. Christ Superstar. And I had a mentor for a while that told me to go read the Bible, and I read it for a while. Um, so I got some education about it, right? So they're right. doing a new podcast, The Drunk Bible Study, uh, <laughs> where they drink and read. And apparently um, one of the people from the podcast, Emily was raised atheist and has never word, read a word of the Bible before. So they are going to uh, get drunk, read the Bible. And it says no preaching, no bashing, which is important. Mm -hmm. And just some good old fashioned fun reading the greatest story ever told. So I'm drunk. <laughs> I enjoy the drunk history television um, show. Oh, yeah. On the History yes, Channel. Yes, so maybe this would like be that. pretty fun, too. So awesome. So our random erotic awakening Instagram follower is Detroit Polly Sarah. Awesome. You can find us on Instagram and see the picture of the day, which currently is you and I wearing the exact same shirt, much to my chagrin, as erotic awakening. I love 
wearing matching clothes. I you hate, hate it. Wearing I matching know. clothes. Whenever I pack our stuff, I have to remember different color BTL shirts, different color exactly. PXS shirts. I happen to pass uh, pack the same colored motorcycle shirts this time. You did. And so I think it's cute. The Bobsy twins. <laughs> Another bug? I know, but I got stung the hell out of by bugs. I had a wing embedded in my arm. So that was weird. That's what happens when you don't wear your jacket because it's yes. hot out. All the gear, <laughs> some of the time. Yeah. On occasion. So we do wear the helmets all the time. All the, and the jet and the boots. The and helmets, the, pants, the long boots, pants. and the, the gloves and the long pants. Yeah. Actually, and I've got fire hose pants on. These are actually kind of cool. I never felt the heat from my bike. Good. So, and with the thin jeans I wear, that burns my inner thigh all the time. And if it caught fire, we could have filled your pants full of water and sprayed Ooh. it down. As hot as it was at some points, that <laughs> just from the sun. So, Don, we have another yes. 50 dirty questions that'll turn both you and on. You're going to ask me make all you 50? want sex. No, I'm only going <laughs> to ask you three, like we always do. Okay. Um, and you're not allowed to read them oh, first. Damn it. How long, Don, does it take you? To get yourself off on average. To get myself off with masturbating? Yes. Depends what kind of mood I'm in. If I'm in the mood for a quickie, I can probably do it in 10 minutes. And that's saying something. It's because I actually have a hard time orgasming. Mm -hmm. So I just do. I don't know why. I have a lot of pleasure. I just have a hard time reaching orgasm. So, um, but when I do, it's fireworks and and nuclear bombs so right. it, it's huge and amazing but if i can get the right fantasy going on in my head probably about 10 minutes okay so but if i like the whole self-pleasuring thing right and just like taking the time to be with myself then i don't actually have that goal of having an orgasm so do you ever so you self-pleasure sometimes and without mm -hmm. the goal and without orgasming mm -hmm. huh. fun I do. Yeah. fun uh, two minutes. Two? Because you know exactly how to touch yourself. Well, it's not that I don't I don't masturbate often. Right. So if I'm gonna masturbate, it's because I'm already on. Mm. You know, I'm like at this point of geez, Hard I gotta edge. get it. I gotta knock one off, and there's nobody around. Right. Fuck it, I'll just do it myself. <laughs> but I like to watch. Uh huh. You know well, I do. Speaking of which. And this is not actually speaking of which. Okay. Don, what is the weirdest thing that turns you on? I feel like this question has come up again or before, but obviously tentacles. Tentacles. Yes. <laughs> that was easy. That was easy? What's the weirdest thing that turns you on? Fuck if I know. What weird shit turns me on? I know on? what weird thing used to turn you on. Oh, well, well, I know which one you're going to say. The pregnant women? Yeah. That was a long time ago, though. I don't know that the preggies... Are a thing for me anymore. Yeah. I haven't heard you talk about it anymore, but it was a long time ago. See, all the things that turn me on, mm -hmm. I don't really think of them as weird. <laughs> you know, I was like, no, this is actually a day. This is my normal life right yeah, here. Yeah, well, right? tentacles is, my, I don't see it as so weird. It makes sense to me now. Yeah. Other people do. I have no clue what the weirdest thing that turns me on is. Because it's my, you know, right? It's the it, weirdness is the, in the eye of the beholder. Right. Um, and I just don't. No. You know what? I guess the weirdest thing that turns me on is I like to subscribe to non-Caucasian porn. Yeah. But why is that? Why it would doesn't feel weird, weird, right? Or the O faces, right? Some people could consider that 
right. weird. Right. Well, you're you just like looking at porn from the face up like this. Yeah. Right. It's just the headshot. I mean, that's the, you know, as yeah. person's coming, that's what you're watching. Yeah. Some people might see that weird, but I think it's hot. I don't know. I can't think of anything weird. I guess I'm just vanilla. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that it's not super weird, like tentacles right. or something, you know? And, and that's fine because I'm going to have plenty to talk about on this next one. Okay. Dawn, what is the most embarrassing thing that happened to you while hooking up? The most embarrassing thing that's happened to me while hooking up? Uh, I have no clue. Fine. I'll handle this one. Well, I was going to say maybe I farted or something, but that's... <laughs> you have farted while I was eating you out before? That was not on purpose. No. Obviously. <laughs> Um, I recall there was one time when I was making out with a woman. I remember the woman's name. I remember the situation. And uh, we were just kind of making out. And I shot my load in my pants. And I had to make up an excuse that well, I had to leave all of a sudden. Hmm. That was embarrassing. That mm -hmm. was? Yeah. I bet it was. Yep. Beca but, but the thing is, is that I can remember you doing that with me, too. <laughs> and I thought it was fucking hot. Yeah, good. So... Way at the beginning, way at the beginning, oh. like between interview one and interview two in the hallway of your house. Oh, sort of thing. Wow. Yeah. That so was a little while ago. That was a long, that's, uh, yeah, that's a long time ago. Yes. I just remember the dates and remember you not liking me saying how many years ago that was. <laughs> and just like that, we're almost to that keynote with Slave Lion. Uh, I do want to mention real quickly that we did find a – so this was kind of funny. Okay. Uh, as longtime podcast listeners know, oh, yeah. you and I have written two books that are out there on the Amazon, one of them Sex Stories and Power Exchange and one of them Living MS. And while mm -hmm. we were in Holland, we actually signed a copy of the Living MS book for someone. Right. It was very nice, was a very honored sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, for some reason, I needed the – Amazon URL for our book. And so I went out, did a Google search for it, like I always do. I came across a copy of our book that was listed as a collector's item and was retailing for $49 because we had signed it. We had signed it, like we always do. We signed the books. Right. This one we hadn't signed to a particular person. It was just our names. So it was just weird to see that we have a collector's, that there's our book is a collector's item as far as somebody's concerned out there for 49 bucks because we put our little John Hancock on it. That's kind of neat though, because that, so that book is now a collector's item in somebody's eyes. Right. The other book, uh, sex stories and power exchange made it to Buzzfeed. Yeah. Right. Both of them are in the leather archives and museum in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So that's just kind of neat. One of these days we'll get that next book done. We're working on it. We are getting close. We're and, working um, on it. We're getting close. We're actually getting some fantastic help on that book from, mm -hmm. And we'll just say K for now. Yeah, we'll just say K for now. Little K. Something we have coming up. Don, do you know that the Little K podcast is higher rated than Erotic Awakening? <laughs> no, no, no. Take a moment to support the podcast. Rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or just listen when Spotify comes on and say, whoa, play Erotic Awakening podcast. Ooh, or just tell your friends. And with that. We, um, had, we had podcast listeners at the little thingy last night. We did indeed. In Holland. So yes. that's always kind of neat. Absolutely. And, and actually, it was like kind of a fan club sort of thing. We had somebody brought their book. Brought mm -hmm. Well, we had somebody who booked us to come out there. 
Right. We had somebody else who brought the book that they read and asked us to sign it. Mm -hmm. We had somebody else who said we've been fans of you guys for a long time and we look glad to finally meet you. Nice. We had somebody else who said, I just saw this exact same class at Kinky College, but I wanted to, I see, wanted it to see it again. So it's like, oh my God. It's a really neat sort of a. Yeah. But it was it was a neat in that it was a smaller and more intimate class. And we really mm -hmm. got to know people a little yeah. bit. Really cool. Um, so that does lead us to say that the person we've seen most recently is Abby Gray from the Second Story Club in the Holland, Michigan. Awesome. If you would like to see us, you'll have to head to Indianapolis, where we will be presenting at GLLA September 6th through 9th or the following weekend. Find us at Twisted Trist, September 13th and 19th. Wow, two weekends in a row. We should probably just stay. In Indianapolis? Yeah. Why not? We know lots of people in Indianapolis. I was going to say that would not lots be a problem to do a little people. couch surfing. So absolutely. That would be fun. And then we got some more stuff coming up later. Absolutely. And just like that, we have the um, – so at Power Exchange Summit in this past May, mm -hmm. one of the challenges we have is to come up with a keynote speaker who is both – who is – first off, they have to be – a good speaker. Right. They have to be comfortable standing in front of 200 people and expounding right. some view. But they also have to be a good reflection of Power Exchange Summit yes. and what it is that we're trying to accomplish that weekend. Our good friends Kevin and Katie said, you guys really have to get Slave Lion and Master Scott out to present for you. Mm -hmm. uh, Master Scott was not available, but we did get his slave, Slave Lion, to come out. And after poking and checking her out, we said, damn, that would actually make a really good keynote speaker. Yeah. So we did ask her to be the keynote speaker, and here she is. Hello, everyone. Hello. <laughs> it's an amazing crowd. I want to begin by taking a moment to thank all of you for taking the time to travel here to be together this weekend and also to thank Dan and Don and their staff to do, for doing all of the work to give us a place to actually come and also for entrusting me with this platform which was really brave and also very kind so thank you. I'm told there's a bingo card out there that people are using to play along with the keynote so that's kind of fun and scary. Kevin says, yeah, that's happening. <laughs> I actually wanted to open with my favorite pirate joke, but Master said that was probably not a good idea. So find me later and I'll tell you. I don't care what he says. I'm fucking funny, okay? <laughs> no faith. Also, I'm going to swear a lot. If the word fuck or similar offends you, I'm just going to go ahead and apologize to you right now. In fact, Daddy Dawn, if you know her, challenged me. She said, if I can casually and naturally say the word fuck 10 times in this speech, she will donate $100 to a charity of my choice. And because I'm all about raising the money, <laughs> I accept. And I now officially ask Daddy Dawn, yes, I'm calling her out, get on Facebook, let her know. I ask you to donate $100 to the Julian Center of Indianapolis, which provides services to victims of domestic and sexual violence. That's at least four fucks and counting this one, I think. <laughs> at least four. And I'm going to match that donation, so I'll be getting $200. Woo! 
An event like this is no small task, and it's also critically important, being the only event in the Midwest solely focused on power exchange. It's no insignificant thing to be surrounded by like-minded people who I feel like, at least on some basic level, get me. Even though we are quite diverse in our philosophies and our approaches. Master Michael once said, yeah, I'm calling you out too. Um, <laughs> Master Michael once said that MS is the redheaded stepchild of the leather world. And so too, sometimes I feel that PE in general can be misunderstood, a niche within a niche of the BDSM world. It's not necessarily anyone's fault, mind you. We are just our own particular brand of critter that sometimes requires some mental gymnastics to wrap one's head around, including ourselves sometimes. That's why we come here, right? So many questions I've had over time end with a perplexed look on the face of my friend, followed by the inevitable question. You all know this one. But what if he wants to chop off your arm? <laughs> Or even, as one well-meaning soul once asked me, what if he wants to shit on your chest? <laughs> like that's the worst thing he could think of that he could do to somebody. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why Master would want to do that, but I guess if that's the worst fucking thing that ever happens to me, I'll probably live. <laughs> And this comes from people who have multiple years in the scene, okay? As far as the outside world goes, well, it's true, it's become more acceptable to maybe talk about kinky sex thanks to the mainstream media. We are far from understood or accepted. There are often painfully few models or resources out there for us to look to as far as healthy relationships go of any stripe, much less inegalitarian ones. But here with all of you, I will never have to watch the pained expression on a friend's face as she asked me in hushed tones, did he do that? While she points to a particularly hideous zit on my forehead. <laughs> I'm not fucking with you, this happened. It was a zit. It was gross, sure, I thought I was turning into a fucking unicorn, but it was a zit. I don't know what he could have hit me with to cause that mark. A chocolate bullet or an estrogen missile. <laughs> I don't know. The truth was she was about ready to call the cops and thank Jesus she didn't. That's not likely to happen here. Even as diverse and yes, quarrelsome as we can be sometimes, here we get to spend our time deepening our understanding of ourselves by connecting with one another. And that is no small thing. What we do is so much harder when you try to do it in a vacuum. So we take risks and we reach out. We are brave enough to open up the things that we often hold most dear and most sacred to us. The way we love our relationships and how we exchange our power. When we come together and share our stories openly and honestly with one another, something almost magical happens. Even when we listen to someone who we just don't get or don't agree with, we leave with important information about ourselves and what doesn't speak to us, which leads us closer to what does.
We bear ourselves in these safe spaces so that not only can we find out more about who we are, but we help each other do the same. And somewhere along the line, just the simple telling of stories and sharing of truths, good and bad, makes us something bigger than just the sum of our parts. It makes us the unique and often tumultuous community that we are. That's why I will always support events like PXS and organizations like MAST. Master and myself first stumbled upon this personal truth of ours a few years back now by accident. It was really late one night, and some of you do know this story, so just suck it up and hold it together for the rest of the class. Master was standing at the foot of the bed, and I was lying there waiting for him to join me. He is pondering the very messy top of our dresser, which was and still is completely my fault because my life is a really hot fucking mess, okay? It's true. And he says to me, you are not to let that dresser get so piled, oh, sorry, I gotta do this right. You are not to let this dresser get so piled up and messy anymore. It drives me crazy. He says this very commandingly and masterly while, yes, he is scratching his balls with a furrowed brow. <laughs> I immediately bust out laughing. I have to bury my face in the pillow. He's going to fucking kill me. Um, I had to bury my face in the pillow. Perplexed, he wanted to know what my fucking problem was. I said, yes, master, but it's really hard to take you seriously when you're scratching yourself that way. <laughs> he thought about it, and he began to laugh. And then we wondered, do masters and slaves talk like this? Do, do we experience similar things, or are we weirdos who are failing at our lives? <laughs> Maybe it could be both. I don't know the answer to that. But, so I decided to post it on FetLife. <laughs> like you do. Like you do. Master lives in dread of FetLife because he has no idea what crazy shit I'm going to post next. It's become a game where he will try to guess what I'm going to post, when I'm going to post what he's saying or not. And, you know, because I'm a good slave and it's my job to keep things fresh and interesting, I just shake it up every once in a while. <laughs> it's what I do. When I posted it, the responses I got personally and publicly were overwhelming. So many people laughed and said, oh my God, we do that too. Or, I didn't realize it was okay for masters and slaves to laugh that much. <laughs> and I was struck. I said, what do you mean you didn't know it was okay? How in the world can you possibly live this full time every day, year in, year out, and not laugh? Life that way is incomprehensible to me. If what you're doing isn't full of joy and laughter, it's likely that it's probably full of shit. <laughs> and also, why are you doing this in the first place? Sure, okay, is, this is not easy. It's never easy, but it's worth it. And at the end of the day, aren't we all just doing our best to find some sense of purpose and fulfill our needs in this world? Shouldn't that hopefully bring us joy at least sometimes? It was then that we realized we absolutely had to brave the inevitable public scrutiny to be honest about how we live our lives. The good, the bad, the ugly. The lighthearted and the rabbit hole of obedience and surrender, mastery and control in kind. And believe me, someone always has an opinion about what they feel it is that you should be doing. 
how you're either A, not MSing hard enough, it's a thing, or B, you're taking this too far, don't scare people. We don't want to scare people. Oh well, it must be nice to have full command of the universe. Maybe someday I'll know everything too. It's just important that we see each other and if we're lucky, let people know that no, you are not doing this wrong. You're not. You're not a freak. It is possible to live in full-time consensual power exchange as a healthy, thriving, well-adjusted approach to adult relationships and also make it your own. In fact, I'm going to submit to you today that if someone is making you feel like you're doing this wrong and you're not actually causing harm to anyone else, then you need to lose that person from your life. Because just like people who don't drink coffee, you don't need that negativity in your lives. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so yes, thank all of you for coming here to do this. Just be here and share yourselves, not just for yourselves, but all of us. You won't go home the same person after sharing this experience. Never doubt that no matter how much or how little you feel like you know, no matter how much or how messed up you think your dynamic is, or how you wish you could be like X, Y, or Z, there's not a damn thing wrong with what you're doing right now. It's a process of learning and growing, and hopefully you're doing that together and you already have plenty to share with others. Even if to you it's just something small, your perspective may be life-altering for someone else. Please know this. Please keep coming to spaces like this and never be afraid of letting us see you or sharing your voice with us. I know this probably came out a little bit more kumbaya than I anticipated it would. Believe me, I'm not blind to the problems. The fact that what we do is often used as a cover for abuse of all stripes. I'm not blind to the fact that what we do is very really a form of edge play and it's not everyone's cup of tea. I'd never advocate for just anyone and everyone to jump in and do it, okay? I think it's critical we speak openly and honestly about that as well. If we want to maintain what we do, living it as openly and freely as possible and fostering a healthy atmosphere for those who come up behind us, which I do believe is absolutely our unequivocal responsibility, then we have to be honest about what can happen when we don't look out for each other, even when it's difficult. If we create spaces that are not only safe for sharing stories, but telling truths, and by not tolerating those that pervert what we love with true violence, no one else is going to do it, and we are all the poorer for it. This is the other side of why it is absolutely so important why we share together. And I don't want to end on a dark note. The truth is, we're really not that special. We have a lot of the same problems anyone else does in consenting adult relationships, and I don't even believe necessarily we're any better at solving them. In fact, sometimes we're really good at overcomplicating that shit. If you've ever read one of the 80 bajillion fucking threads on the internet in an MS forum, you know that. I weep for you. We do, however, think a whole lot about things as a general rule, and it's not a bad thing. How often do you suppose people in egalitarian vanilla relationships congregate throughout the year to learn how to relationship better? We are so weird. <laughs> Look at us out here relationshiping so fucking hard. I wish they would. I think they'd get a lot out of it. 
and I'm sure some folk probably do, but not nearly with the regularity and particular fire that we do, at least in my experience. I'm so glad to share this fire with all of you. And every time I do, I catch fire a little bit more myself. Grateful does not begin to cover how I feel about the privilege of sharing with all of you and keeping you a captive audience for these past few minutes. Did I mention that I'm also a sadist and an exhibitionist? <laughs> You're giving me good private time material for a long time right now, thank you. <laughs> I'm joking, mostly. <laughs> So this, this hostage situation, I mean, keynote. Did I hit all the squares on the bingo card? Good, because that's all I've got. Thank you for being here. I wish all of you a revolutionary and joyful Power Exchange Summit. Thank you. Thank you.